Our first reading this morning is from the memoir of Margaret Fuller Ossoli. And she is one of the most fascinating people that I think has ever existed. She was a 19th century American Unitarian and a transcendentalist. And in her short life, she was known as the best read person in New England. She was the author of the first major American feminist book and was an advocate for women's education and the abolition of slavery. She was the first ever female full-time book reviewer for a newspaper and was among the first American women to work as a foreign correspondent. While covering a civil war in Italy, she fell in love with an Italian revolutionary and they had a child and they probably weren't even married, which was very scandalous. And she died at age 40 in a shipwreck only 100 meters from land. After her death, a memoir was assembled from her writings, the text stitched together by different friends and colleagues. And the following is an excerpt of Margaret Fuller's journals with a preface from her friend, Ralph Waldo Emerson. But Margaret crowned all her talents and virtues with a love of truth and the power to speak it. In great and in small matters, she was a woman of her word and gave those who conversed with her the unspeakable comfort that flows from plain dealing. Her nature was frank and transparent, and she had a right to say, as she said in her journal, In the chamber of death I prayed in very early years. Give me truth. Cheat me by no illusion. Oh, the granting of this prayer is sometimes terrible to me. I walk over the burning plowshares and they sear my feet. Yet nothing but truth will do. No love will serve that is not eternal and as large as the universe. No philanthropy in in executing whose behest I myself become unhealthy. Our second reading is Birds and Bees by the poet Faith Sheeran. When my daughter starts asking, I realize I don't know which, if any, birds have penises. I can't picture how swans do it. I'm even confused about bees, that fat queen and her neurotic workers, her children grown in cells. I'm worried by turtles and snakes, their parts hidden in places I have never seen. How do they undress? Long ago, awash in college boyfriends, I knew a little about sex. I understood the dances and calls, the pretty plumage. Now I am as ignorant as a child. We have gone to the library to find books, though I know sex is too wild for words. The desire to be kissed is the desire to live forever in the mouth of pleasure. My God, I can never tell my daughter the truth. (laughs) It is a secret, the way spring is a secret, buried in February's fields. It is a secret the way babies are a secret, hidden by skin or egg, their bodies made of darkness.
we admit our fallibilities, okay? <laughs> this is a reading by Dana Gioi, I guess. Uh, money. Money is a kind of poetry, says Wallace Stevens. Money, the long green, cash, stash, rhino, jack, or just plain dough. Chalk it up, fork it over, shell it out, watch it, burn holes through pockets. To be made of it, to have it to burn. Greenbacks, double eagles, megabucks, and Ginny Mays. It greases the palm, feathers a nest, holds heads above water, makes both ends meet. Money breeds money, gathering interest, compounding daily, always in circulation. Money, you don't know where it's been, but you put it where your mouth is, and it talks. <laughs> Thank you. Sometimes you just can't help but feel smug. And as your minister, I don't recommend it, but sometimes it just can't be helped. One of those times for me was last Friday. I was in a meeting with about 20 local clergy and leaders from the Kalamazoo Department of Public Safety. We were talking about the election and how we might move our community forward together in the midst of all of the division that it is breeding. And you should all know that there are no credible threats of any sort of violence in our community. The police are totally confident that nothing is going to happen. But one of the things that came out of this, as you heard during the announcements, is that there's going to be a brief event next Thursday and an interfaith service the night after the election. And I hope you consider attending. So in this meeting, one of my fellow clergy people said, what we really need to do is have more interfaith dialogue. We need to see, to know people who don't have the same beliefs as us and, and see that our values are, are the same. And that's when I started to feel smug. <laughs> because I thought, nearly every dialogue that happens at our church is an interfaith dialogue. We are atheists and Christians, agnostics and Buddhists, humanists and naturalists, pagans, mystics, all kinds of different believers and non-believers here. And even within these groups, there are so many different ways of believing. Our humanists are not all the same. Those among us who believe in God don't all believe in the same God. And we don't always delve into these differences when we're having our conversations but we know they're here and real and we recognize them. And being real and honest about our religious differences is one of the most powerful things we do here. It is why these other clergy are yearning for this kind of conversation to be happening on a wider scale in our community. We bring trust and truth to our relationships and don't expect everyone to agree with us. Croatian Christian theologian Miroslav Wolf writes that telling what one believes to be truth is a way of being loyal to a relationship. Telling what one believes to be true is a way of, or believe, tell, not telling what, 
Telling what one believes not to be true is a way of defecting from a relationship. As a consequence, the virtues of integrity and fidelity are understood to be at stake in all those situations in which the virtue of truthfulness is at stake. We speak the truth because a community matters to us, and we sustain community that matters to us by speaking the truth. Here we are loyal to our relationships and to our community by speaking the truth as we understand it. Every time I get to lead a service here, I try to be loyal to the relationship you created when you called me as your minister by speaking the truth as I understand it. And today with our service titled Religion, Sex, Money, I get to be loyal to you all by speaking the truth about the things that many of us were taught it is rude to talk about. So thank you for your trust, and I hope that I prove myself worthy of it. We bring bring trust and truth to our Sunday services and to so many areas of our life together. We are trustworthy and truthful about sexuality. This is life-giving and life-saving. This is another thing that makes me feel smug about us. Our whole lives is the lifespan comprehensive sexuality education program that we offer here. Here, children and adults learn about their bodies, relationships, and explore their values with their peers in developmentally appropriate ways. What we teach here is informed by science, as well as our values of safety, respect, inclusion, justice, and self-worth. We do not tell people that there are certain rules that they must follow that will keep them good or pure or safe, but empower them to find joy in their bodies and relationships in ways that are appropriate for their stage of development. We believe that sexuality is a precious gift and can be expressed in myriad ways, and that those ways must always be accompanied by consent. This is a rare and precious thing we are doing at our church, and it ripples out in powerful ways. Right now, we're offering our whole lives to our fifth and sixth graders. Families are getting here at 9 a.m. every Sunday so their children can participate in this program. A few weeks ago, Bella Pye, one of our kids here at church, was sick and couldn't attend her class. So her mother, Allie Santos Pye, was doing a little sex ed at home. And they've given me permission to tell this story. Allie asked Bella, what accompanies the egg on its way out of the uterus if said egg does not get a chance to meet a sperm? And Bella responded, dignity. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? And while that might not be the scientifically correct answer, it is a beautiful answer. Deeply true. Bella is learning here in her church and in her family that her body is dignified, worthy of honor and respect. May all of our children and may all of us associate the natural workings of our bodies with honor Respect, dignity, not shame or fear. May, they and may we remember that dignity is always with us. It is inherent. We have that written up on our wall that we affirm the inherent worth and dignity of every person. And that includes our bodies. 
our trust and our truth make it possible for Bella and all of our children here to grow into the knowledge that their bodies are precious and their bodies are powerful. And now we're going to talk about money. For me, money is much harder to talk about than religion or sexuality. And perhaps that's true for you too. One of my dreams for People's Church is that it won't always be this way. I hope we can bring the same truth and trust, the same comfort, the same respect for diversity to our conversations about money that we bring to everything else we do here. I believe that we are called to break this taboo and be more frank and more honest about money and the role it plays in each of our lives and in our life together. So all of us gather here today with different personal relationships to money. And we know that money is a powerful force, a powerful symbol in almost all of our lives. For some, money is closely linked to shame or guilt or power or love. For some, income is what determines self-worth. For some, spending money is a source of pleasure, or it's stressful, or it's compulsive. Each of us comes from families that likely had specific rules about money. Maybe money was always talked about or never talked about. Maybe giving away money to church or charity was so important that there was never enough for everything else or maybe there was just never enough. And then we go out into the world and hear all kinds of messages about money. How do our values come into play in our decisions about money? How do we move away from those hopes and fears and patterns that we inherited towards making choices rooted in our values? If exploring the spiritual and and moral power of money and improving your relationship with money is something you want to do, I invite you to join me in a new class that I'm offering. It's called Money, Spirit, and Life, and it's based on a UUA curriculum. We'll explore our personal stories of money, how money operates in our world, and how our values call us to earn, spend, give, and invest. So whatever your story, whatever your, your relationship with money is, you are invited. We'll be meeting on Sunday afternoons, once a month, starting November 13th. There's more information in the newsletter. And in addition to these personal stories about money, I believe we are called to bring more honesty, more respect for difference, and more comfort to our conversations about the church's financial position. So you all knew this was coming, and I'm pleased that you came anyway. That speaks very well of you. First, some background. For the past few years, People's Church has lived beyond its means. We, you know, when it happens for the first year, you think, oh, maybe that's just the, all of the transitions, and then it keeps happening, and so now we've reached the point where we know we're living beyond our means. And so to try to keep things balanced over the past few years, leaders decided to cut program budgets, forgo cost of living or merit increases to the staff, and draw from reserves to balance the budget. Last spring, the members of this church passed a budget with a $20,000 deficit. And while some churches have multi-million dollar endowments that they can draw on indefinitely for situations like this, we are not one of those churches. Our reserves are pretty modest, 
and we are not in a sustainable place financially. And while we could do this unbalanced budget for a few more years, we can't continue the pattern indefinitely. So we need to get things back into balance. And this is not to say that you all haven't been wonderfully generous. For the past six years, People's Church has had capital campaigns. And between the annual budget and the capital campaign, People's People have given nearly $2.5 million to this church since 2009. And that is amazing. Thank you all so much for your generosity. And about that capital campaign, if you're like me and newer around here, you might not know about this. But the church recently did a building expansion. The, the cost of that construction is the capital debt we're still paying on. So everything past the fire doors, when you go out to, into the foyer and look left and see the fire doors, everything past that is just a few, few years old. So that's the, the main entrance that most of us came in this morning, the downstairs classrooms, room 19, the small re meeting room, Chris and Dana's office, the bathrooms, the workroom, all of that is new. And before the new construction, people coming to church had to climb up a long outdoor staircase to come in, and the main entrance was just right straight behind you all in the foyer. And people needing an accessible entrance had, could only come in through the back of the building. This building project increased our capacity for staff space, religious education, meeting rooms, summer services, and an air-conditioned space, which is nice and made us more welcoming. You have done good work on this project. Over the past few months, I've been part of a number of meetings and retreats and other conversations with your board, finance committee, stewardship committee leaders, and other people concerned about the financial position of the church, about how to move this church into a more sustainable position. There isn't one easy solution. If there was, your capable leadership would have done that already. So we're pursuing a number of paths towards sustainability. We're probably going to switch our benefits eligible staff to health insurance that's comparable but cheaper. We're exploring how to have more rentals in our church building. We're trying to make it as easy as possible to donate to the church, which is why you see the QR code now in the order of service, so people who don't have cash or checks with them can still give on a Sunday morning. We're making sure fundraisers happen and happen well. And we're exploring cutting some church programs and staff, though that's not something we want to have to do. And if you have great ideas of how to bring us into a more financially sustainable place, please let me know. We know it's going to be a lot of little ideas that gets, us, that gets us there, probably not one big one. And you know this is coming. We're asking you to make a supplemental pledge today. Your generosity is what makes this church possible. Your, it's not taxes, it's not the government, it's not all of those things the kids thought it was that makes our church happen. It's all of you. And the generosity of people's people is what has made this church possible since it was founded in 1855. We have existed as people of love, people of hope, and people of change in Kalamazoo for 161 years because of generosity. I know that everyone's financial situation is different. And I hope 
we as a community can bring the same respect for diversity we bring to our religious diversity and diversities of sexual orientation and gender identity that we bring to conversations about money. Some of us have a lot of money. Some of us don't. Some of us are, are carrying substantial debt. Some of us aren't. Some of us have inherited wealth. Many of us do not. And just as our beliefs are unique, so is our financial situation. So maybe you are someone who gave generously during the stewardship drive last spring and really stretched yourself, and that's just all that you can give. And if that is you, thank you so much. Maybe you are struggling financially and can't add to your pledge or pledge at all right now. That's okay, and we are glad that you are here. And we know that you contribute to our church in other ways. Maybe you've only been here a short time, or this is your first Sunday with us, and you're not yet ready to make a financial commitment. As you get to know us better, I hope that you will want to join with us, spiritually, socially, and financially. We are in so many circumstances in this room. So this invitation is for the rest of you. I invite you to give generously. If you give as part of this campaign, your pledge will go twice as far. A few of our people's people who have the means and the commitment have set up a matching fund for this fall supplemental campaign, and they will match every dollar given up to $25,000. So that's a $50,000 goal for this campaign. So in addition to making up the budgeted deficit this fiscal year, we're hoping to pay back some of the reserves we've drawn on for the past few years and, and make payments on some of the capital debt. $50,000 would put us on a firm financial footing for the year and give us breathing room as we figure out how to move into long-term sustainability. So I hope you join me in giving generously. I have decided to increase my pledge by $500. And that's a meaningful amount of money for me and my family. We will feel that loss in our budget. We will be doing less, but it's important to me. It's worth it to us because the values that People's Church bring to our lives and to our community. I need this church, not only because you are, are my employer, I need you all to help me raise my child into an adult who quests for truth, respects diversity, makes meaningful connections with it with others and finds joy in his body and in his, in, in his relationships. And I need you all to raise up a cohort of children who will be his peers as he grows because no matter how much I'm going to tell him something, he's going to need his church friends to actually hear what's being said. And you all make that happen. I need you, to I need you all to continue the work for peace and justice in this world because we know that the world needs a whole lot more peace and justice. And this church is making that real in our world. I need you to be a beacon for all of the people who haven't yet found us. Because there was a time when we weren't here, when we didn't know about Unitarian Universalism. And we need to have our doors wide open for all who are coming next. You each have your own story. You know why you need this congregation to thrive. I mean, you are not ones who are getting paid to be here this morning. 
And that means something, that you are giving up this beautiful Sunday morning to be here. So you know why that is. And I hope that leads you towards generosity. So you know what generosity means to you. You know what you can give to support all the good and important work we do here. And we're asking people to make these supplemental pledges that will be part of this fiscal year. So you have to think of what you can give before the end of June. Perhaps $500, which is my right amount, is not the right amount of money for you. Perhaps you'll subtract a zero. Perhaps you can add a zero or two zeros, which would be wonderful. You know what makes sense. And we are grateful, so grateful, for anything you can contribute, whatever amount it is. So how we're going to do this is Jennifer and Bill are going to play some beautiful music. And of course, Bill, knowing what we were talking about, put together, set words to music last night at 2 a.m. that were just the perfect thing for this service. We were paying for that, you know, so please give. <laughs> um, so you have the green pledge cards in your orders of, in your orders of service. There are, if you need a pen, there are pens under the center, the, the cup, in a cup, under the chairs at the center aisle. So pass those down as you need them. And we're going to give you a few minutes because maybe you're sitting next to the person you make your financial decisions with and need to confer. Um, And, you know, maybe you're someone who needs to go home and meditate and think about your budget and your priorities before you can make this commitment, and that's fine. We're hoping to have this all wrapped up within the next two weeks, so please, please make your commitment by November 10th. And the other logistical piece is, if you can't give, if it's just not part of your financial reality right now, I invite you to please write your name and a zero on the pledge card, because that will save our volunteers the time of sending out a mailing. So that will know that we've heard from you, we won't give you any phone calls, we won't, you won't have be contacted as part of this campaign beyond that. So if you find what happens here valuable to yourself and your world, If you have the resources to do so, please give generously. And we're going to listen to music for a few minutes, and then our ushers are going to come forward. Excuse me. Okay. Just let me uh, let you know what I, I did last night. I don't know why I always wait to the last minute, but I, I found in the offertory, in this book, um, the hymnal, the offertory words uh, 672. These are words by, uh, I adapted a bit the words by Judith Meyer, who had adapted words by Anne Sexton. So this is an ad- adaptation of an adaptation. And I thought it was appropriate for today. Give, give people a few minutes to fill out their cards. Some people are still meditating on how generous they can be. So many needs, so many prayers that really only need one answer. Let the world be not indifferent, and may we live and be with each other. Each other in a way that shows this truth Whatever the day brings 
that neither are we indifferent to each other, my friend.
that really only need one answer. Let the world be not indifferent. And may we live and be with each other, to be with each other in a way that shows this truth. Whatever the day brings, that neither are we indifferent to each other. Please join me in giving thanks for all that sustains us. The words will be on the screen and are in your order of service. From the countless gifts we each have been given, gifts of life and love and sustenance, we bring these small portions to share in the works of love, which none of us can accomplish alone. <laughs> 